Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodman Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. For today's episode, I'm your host, Tia Fabian. Before we get into anything, I have to introduce my co-host for today, Kelly Kantrowitz. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing well. Hey, everyone. (laughs) It's been a while since we've had you on, so I'm really happy that we can connect for this uh, review show where we are going to be reviewing the latest Netflix movie called, and it's a long one, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. If you haven't heard, this is the Ted Bundy movie that is starring Zac Efron as Ted Bundy, Lily Collins as Liz Kendall, who was Ted Bunny. Ted Bundy's girlfriend, and Kaya Scodelario as Carol Ann Boone, who later on became Ted Bundy's wife. Now, this uh, movie, just for a little bit of background information, was based on the memoir called The Phantom Prince, which was actually by uh, Elizabeth Kendall herself. Now, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival Netflix got the rights for it, and I think premiered, what, like two weeks ago, I think? Yeah, I think so. Something about that. So uh, Kelly and I got to sit down and watch it, and we decided that, hey, let's talk about this a little. So, Kelly, I just wanted to get what were your overall thoughts on this movie that everyone really hyped up? Uh, Zac Efron's performance was praised, people couldn't wait to watch this uh, serial killer enthusiast, I guess you would say, really just couldn't wait to watch another uh, installment about Ted Bundy. So why don't you tell me what your overall thoughts were? So, you know, obviously it's a super provocative title. And, um, you know, before going into watching it, I thought it would be just a really dark Um, take on a mind of somebody who committed all of these crazy crimes, kidnapping, raping, necrophilia. Um, You know, he admitted to 30 murders, but they don't even know that the count could be potentially higher. Um, And I I don't think that a serial killer movie necessarily needs to be, um, you know, showcase all this violent imagery to be, to have an effective, um, you know, have an effective uh, effect on the audience. But I thought the decision not to show any of Bundy's murders, except for that little brief moment towards the end, um, although it was probably a deliberate one by Berlinger, it just didn't build the thrill and suspense like I thought it would. Um, you know, we did already kind of know the background of the murders and we only got to see his outer behavior um, and his actions. And we were kind of taken out of like his secret life and what we were doing almost 
put into the the shoes of Liz and how she was banished from what he was doing behind the scenes. Um, you know, so I think as such a a weaponized pretty face and an evil killer, it would have been much more of an enjoyable movie for me um, if we weren't so removed from the horrible crimes he committed. Um, you know, and, and I almost felt like the movie didn't portray him in as much of a negative light as it should have been. And it almost cheapened the movie and um, took away from some of the drama that could have been unfolded if they delved a little bit deeper into really the psychological aspect of what was going on. Yeah. I have to completely agree with everything that you just said because Ted Bundy is one of the most well-known serial killers among Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, uh, and others. And his big thing was that, oh, he was so charmingly handsome that he was wooing uh, people in the courtroom and yada yada. So obviously they get Zac Efron, who is a very good-looking guy. And because they never delved into the truly horrific things that he did, it almost took away from that. And my expectation walking into this movie with such a uh, dramatic title is that we were going to see some really horrific shit, pretty much. Because prior to this, the Ted Bundy tapes released on Netflix and it was a bit of an uproar on social media, people wondering why uh, this uh, this serial killer was getting so much attention so many years later and how it would be wrong to pretty much give it the Hollywood spin. And I think, though, we all expected that walking in, we were going to see uh, Zac Efron as Ted Bundy charming women and murdering them, which is awful and horrific and something that happened in real life. But you did expect that from the movie. Instead, we really just kind of, he was there and he was present, but he really felt at times not part of the movie. It didn't really feel like we were watching a movie about his bad deeds. And that was really just strange to me that they would make this movie and not really feature any of that. But um, then knowing that it was based on a memoir did kind of make sense, I guess, because it's from the uh, perspective of the girlfriend. So I kind of want to talk about that a little, about Lily Collins' portrayal as Liz Kendall. We obviously see her meeting Ted Bundy and being obviously just completely enamored with him and his charm. And then the big thing was that she was the one who notified the police when his sketch first hit because she recognized it obviously as looking so, so very much like her boyfriend. Um, but we really didn't see that too much and really not play that big of a role maybe until the end of the movie when she briefly mentioned it. But I, I did want to talk about her performance because I did feel like she did a really good job in conveying the guilt that someone would feel being in her situation. So I did want to ask uh, Kelly, how did you feel about Lily Collins' performance during this? 
I think Lily Collins' performance as a whole uh, was definitely praiseworthy with what she had to work with. Um, But as the movie centered around really just the cult of women and its following, I felt like they didn't really show, um, you know, there was so much media hype around this. And each time, you know, a new victim is coming up on the television screen and, and they briefly touched on that, but I felt like they, they could have went even further with Lily's character and um, just showed almost the slow decay and emotional breakdown that she went through till she got to the point of realization that she thought that her boyfriend could be this horrific character um, behind closed doors um, and, and all the little seeds and droplings of things that felt off in the relationship weren't really shown. You know, they showed flashbacks to, to happy times between them, but they didn't really break down all the little nuggets along the way of where she, her, you know, mental realization started moving in a different direction from this is a, a loving individual to, oh my God, who is this man? Do I even know this person I love? And I felt that they needed to show a little bit more of their relationship because, again, we do see them meet each other and we have a little clips here and there, but the beginning of the movie really rushed uh, showing them and showing them with her daughter because, that was a big thing. She was worried as a single mother during the times that she would not be able to meet someone and he kind of easily slipped into her life and slipped into being essentially a father figure to um, to uh, Liz's kid, who I actually don't know the name right now. But, yeah, so I, I just felt like maybe we needed more of that because I remember at some point I paused the movie and we were only about 20 minutes in, and then we got away from the relationship between Liz and Ted, which, you know, it it did bother me just a little that we didn't see more of them, and it kind of easily brushed their relationship almost under the rug. And then I didn't get the – my point is that I didn't get the idea that he really – cared for her and that she maybe even cared that much for him and I wanted to see that more we obviously saw how it affected her mentally after but we never really saw how it affected her during like what really made this relationship so intense and so uh, meaningful um, that it would absolutely eat her up to even try to push this guy out of her life. So I feel like they needed to focus a little more on that. Um, Did you feel that, so at some point during the movie, and obviously I should have probably said that there's going to be spoilers in this review, but (laughs) did you feel um, that at some point it kind of, not rushed, but it was a little random the way they presented her relationship with that other guy? Right. I mean, I really felt like just the character portrayals overall were very shallow. It didn't go enough in depth that we could feel a connection to any of them. Um, And I think 
it's funny because if, you know, the story is being portrayed from Liz's point of view. So I understand why they tried to remove the audience from his horrific crimes um, and focus on his charm um, and even, you know, the insistence of trying to portray him almost in a positive light because in her mindset, that's what he was. Um, But I just think that, you know, there wasn't anything that really connected us to her character or her relationships because they just didn't delve deep enough into it. And even if they used flashbacks as the vehicle of portraying um, those connections, they still weren't played out in a manner that could forge an emotional connection between the audience so that we could really feel for her like we were in her shoes uncovering um, every step of the way this realization towards what was happening. Yeah, and to kind of move on to another relationship that I felt was really just thrown in there with not much of setting up. And now, obviously, again, it's in the history books that Carol Ann Boone um, came in at some point during the trials with Ted Bundy and married him and actually conceived a child with him while he was on death row. But the way they introduced her character was very peculiar. Um, Liz and Ted go to, I think, a dog kennel to see if they could adopt a a dog, which I will say, by the way, though, that scene was very telling because, as we all know, as animal lovers, uh, animals can tell when a person is a bad person. So to have that moment where he was so intensely staring at the dog and the dog started barking and whining and then you hear every other dog in the kennel start barking and whining, I did actually enjoy that scene just because they were touching upon that there's something very inherently evil in Ted. Right. But uh, but I believe that is where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong in this case, but was it at that point or maybe at a court scene, I think maybe now I'm getting confused that uh, Carol kind of jumped into the picture. Yeah, she, they introduced her in such a matter of fact way. Like there was no build up to their meeting. She just kind of was there all of a sudden. Like and sh- like, we yeah, should go ahead. know her. I was going to say like, we exactly. should know her already. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I guess if if we're taking this from Ted's perspective, it's just another girl that he has a relationship with, right? But they didn't even delve into her. I mean, I look at all these women, they were victims of him, and we didn't get to see, um, like, the emotional stories behind them and the devastation. Um, and I even think, I know Liz, they did – tap into her guilt but it just didn't it was very surface level I don't like it went deep enough to really paint the picture of this man how he was in real life so as you were saying that I was just thinking about how I could best describe it this movie acted as if you should already know everything about Ted Bundy and that you should have already watched the Ted Bundy tapes. 
which uh, our editor-in-chief, Kanan, did say that for anyone out there should watch the Ted Bundy tapes before they watch this movie. But if you're just going to this movie with minimal knowledge of who Ted Bundy is, this really doesn't explain a lot. And I'm going to use the example, so the show Narcos on Netflix, right, Talk, you know, talks about uh, Pablo Escobar. And there's so many people out there who do know the story about Pablo Escobar, but me personally, I didn't know much. I just knew who the name, right? And the show did an amazing point. If you're someone who's never know never knew about this guy, never knew anything, it does a great job of explaining who he was, what he committed, and uh, reenacting scenes that he was involved in. And that's what this movie was lacking. It completely um, just existed on the basis that you should know everything already. So we're just kind of giving you surface level. And that was a big problem. Sorry, go ahead. Right. And and Berlinger, he, I don't know if you saw his documentary um, series, The Paradise Lost Trilogy. Um, he seems to be enamored with exploring human nature and the flaws amongst us when it comes to identifying um, people who have the capability of being such horrific monsters, um, you know, and, and trying to essentially chip away at biases we have because of, of established relationships. And, you know, while I think they portrayed Bundy in the series and showed the charisma he has, we only really got a small feel of that real chill and evil behind it. Now I have to say, uh, Zach Efron, I mean, he he had the character down pretty well. I will say that I enjoyed his performance and he did what he could with what he was given. Um, I thought he was very chilling. It definitely took me away from his, you know, uh, high school musical team <laughs> idol type of image. So I applaud him for that. But I still felt like that, that real feeling like that aha moment of going from here's a normal person to um, exposing that individual as such a horrific person capable of such heinous crimes. It just didn't translate across the screen. The moment that I felt like Zac Efron really uh, thrived as this character were definitely during the courtroom scenes because um, Ted Bundy was in law school and was going to be a lawyer. And we saw that, and we did see small glimpses during the courtroom scenes of him uh, displaying uh, sociopath behavior because they are very, you know, they they manipulate the people around them and they're very, uh, you know, arrogant and charming. And we see that because he's almost putting on a show. He wants complete control of the situation by means of even firing his public defenders and making a showcase in the middle of the courtroom. He's joking around. He's smiling. I mean, we literally saw uh, in the movie girls saying how dreamy he was. And uh, there's no way that a guy like this could possibly do the crimes that he's been accused of. Uh, and 
and also the way that with Carol, I mean, she was just completely on his team. And he was saying, I've never done this. This is them, uh, you know, completely just making up lies and they need someone to blame everything on. So they're going to blame me. I mean, and she was just, and so what did you feel about Carol's character really quick? Because I thought she was a little psychotic. She was sitting there like, I love you and you're going to get through this and let's, bang in uh, against a vending machine, you know? I mean, she was just a little much to me. Her character was almost just very one-dimensional. They didn't really flesh out that character at all, and it made it seem like she was just fitting into uh, a ditzy stereotype. Um, I agree. They definitely didn't flesh out her character. I almost felt like Obviously, she's a part of the story, but in this instance, she was there just as an echo of the the female audience in the courtroom. As you said, he was putting on a production. He loved the attention, and every time he stood up or made a point, um, you know, he would get applause from all the women in the audience. And I thought she was a, a good representation of how um, women were still en- enamored by him and, and thought there's no way someone with this you know, quote-unquote, pretty face could possibly have committed these crimes. Yeah, and that was just, and if they excelled at anything, this movie was definitely uh, conveying that. And, of course, as I said before, you get someone like Zac Efron. That's very easy to do. My, What I would have loved, and I'm kind of like jumping a little here, but I really would have loved to see more when he escaped from prison. They show that briefly where he's at some club in Florida uh, and he's dancing with those two girls. And then obviously we know that later he killed those two girls. And I'm not saying that maybe necessarily we needed to see the actual murders, but we could have seen him going to their dorm rooms, running into the other two girls that he ended up hurting because they witnessed him um and they that's the thing it's like they they said a lot but they never showed a lot which really bothered me in that case i really thought that uh any creative writer knows that you have to tell not tell you have to show not tell and this movie was just telling 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 with no real show um which is why again i think i said that i paused the movie at some point and it seemed like we were only 20 minutes in I'm like what the hell are they going to do for the rest of the movie (laughs) and it focused so much on the courtroom scene which I did enjoy at times I like this almost uh, I like the Florida pride almost because remember the guy was saying yeah you were able to jump across all these other states I guess so we got you here and we have the death penalty and we're going to nail your ass to the wall And I was saying this um, during one of our shows this weekend, briefly, that Jim Parsons, who plays Sheldon Cooper on The Big Bang Theory, who probably is a little bit of a typecasted, played a really good job as the public defender uh, going up against Zac Efron, again, with the script that he was given. I think that they could have done a little more there, but I don't particularly think it was his fault. I just think that it was the way that they wanted to go. So what, and I think that you had said that you had some notes, but what did you think about uh, director Joe Berlinger, uh, if I said that correctly, his uh, 
direction and how he chose to uh, orchestrate the flow of this movie. Well, I want to make a comment to one thing you said before, um, you know, with the girls in Florida, because that was almost the icing on the cake and his unraveling with the bite marks. Um, But I agree. They didn't have to actually show, you know, the crimes being committed. But I think what would have been interesting was to see the dynamic between him charming the girls in the bar and then bringing them back to the dorm room. And then that moment of realization for the girls that what they had expected versus what was to come or that, that point, that tipping point where they realized that um, this was not the man that they thought that they were (laughs) taking home um, would have been so effective just to, to really um, highlight that, that horror and the emotional state of, of having that point of realization. So I just wanted to make a point to that. And then I would just no, say thank going you. back I'm to glad that you, uh, you know, explained it a little more uh, because that's true. I mean, this movie sounded like it was going to be a horror movie and we really never got any of that. Right. And I think for Berlinger going back, um, you know, of, of what he's done in the past. And he, he also has the, the Bundy documentary conversations with a killer on Netflix. Um, and, I, and I feel like he was almost relying on the audience to, uh, you know, form this connection and be devastated by Liz's role and the guilt that she felt. And, um, you know, his, his overall... Um, focus on our inability again to identify people like Bundy who on the surface are so likable and charming and handsome and yet beneath the surface lies this this monster um so i i feel like that's what he was trying to get at but it just uh it, it didn't come across as much as i wish it would have right and um I believe I said a little earlier that I feel like this movie really just relied on the idea that you should have watched those uh, interviews with the killer uh, episodes on Netflix. And it's, you know, we didn't, if you didn't, um, because I think I only watched about one episode, right? So I didn't watch the rest of it. And again, I I know Ted Bundy, obviously, but not to the extent that I could have filled in the blanks. And there were a lot of blanks in this movie. Um, I guess before we, and I do like that you mentioned the bite mark scene, because that really did seem to sink his case. um, And, you know, it didn't go in his favor at all. But um, before we kind of get to like that, uh, like the last two things really that I kind of wanted to talk about, um, I just wanted to say really quick that it, you know, I don't even know. I kind of lost my train of thought there. My bad, guys. Uh, but <laughs> uh, the whole point is that the movie just really should have been a horror movie with that kind of title. And it brings me to The Judge because it really did seem like at some points in the movie that this judge really liked this guy. And he even says, um, you and I were speaking about this prior to the show, 
that he said that he would have loved for Ted Bundy to have been a lawyer and been in his courtroom and he has no malice against him. And he was really sitting there as if he hated the fact that he was found guilty and he hated the idea that he was going to have to sentence this guy to jail time and then to death. Um, and that really was just weird that they decided to have him sit there and have this long speech about he thought that he was a bright young man and all of that. And he was saying, I think the title of the movie was in that speech, but it in turn was just so confusing to me because if you want to give uh, credence to those who sit there and say that we shouldn't glamorize serial killers and we shouldn't give them the Hollywood spin, but they had, you know, they have ammo here because you have a character who's just sitting there giving praise to him essentially. And I just felt like we didn't really need that. We didn't need the, to hear the judge, whether, that really happened or not, whether he was really giving him all this praise or not. We didn't need that. Do you feel like that speech really just was completely unnecessary? Well, I think the speech was really a play on what the movie was overall trying to convey. Um, The sense of camouflage and hiding Ted Bundy's true nature and it and it came out even more in that speech like oh you know it's too bad you committed these crimes because you're so bright and likable and and again I think it it really captures that sense of identifying a person for what their their actions are outwardly but not being a you know front row viewer to the crimes. Um, so I think the speech was really almost an effective way for Berlinger to capture the overall essence of what he was trying to portray in this, um, in human nature's like apparent ability to try to see people for the good and not, um, you know, what could be hidden behind closed doors. You know, his all of Bundy's sequences were his outward behaviors. Um, and the judge was really commenting again on, on what he was, his actions outwardly, rather than what was going on inside of him. And, and I felt like there was just a little effort spent on, on mentally delving deep into what was going on in Bundy's mind. And I think that would have been so interesting to see, you know, what, you know, this is what he's putting out on the surface, but what's going on locked inside that dark mind of his? Well, I think that they try to put it there a few times. Two of the instances that stand out to me is with him and Liz, where he's kissing her and his hand kind of goes around her neck. And uh, it's so quick and so... um it's not really focused on, but it's a little thing like, and the stares that he was giving her. And then also those scene where he is with her, with her child and he's holding the cutting knife, but he's just holding it. So upwards. 
Um, and I think those little things are supposed to be there to kind of show like he was always at a moment of breaking and always at a moment of could switch into the evil side of him. But again, we never really saw it. Um, which right, and those see- those few scenes, those few scenes were chilling in the fact that here he is being uh, great with a kid and um, you know seemingly loving and playful, and yet there's this side of him that he's holding back and and could break out of the surface at any moment, like you said. Well, and. My one thing is that they never dove into the idea of, so here's a guy who, as you had said earlier, had confessed to killing 30-some-odd women, but we don't know. There probably could be more. What really made Liz so special? Why was Liz never a person who he wanted to hurt, even in the moments that she was uh, questioning him or becoming uh, just tired of him constantly becoming, you know, constantly getting arrested. You know, what made him not want to just get rid of her? Because at that point, she wasn't believing in him. He's someone who easily uh, killed a lot of women and in very uh, angry manners. Um, He literally bludgeoned some woman to death with a tree log. So what made Liz so special? And they never dove into that, which I really wish they would have. I mean, the movie was long enough. It was almost two hours. They could have certainly spent a little bit of time with that. I understood that maybe they wanted to focus more on the arrests and the courtroom scenes, but we could have dealt more into his psychological background. The only uh, part that we really get a show of is at the very end. And the movie starts, I believe, with Liz visiting Ted, and we don't realize that this is then attaching to the last scene of the movie, where it's been now, I think, 10 years, and she decides to finally go see him because at this point he is going to be uh, executed, and they want to give uh, you know, resolution to families. Um, so she sits down with him, and he's still, again, maintaining his innocence, um, I think at some point he sent her that book that he constantly was reading that said that he said gave him hope. Um, and he's saying how beautiful she is and he's commenting on the wedding ring that she's wearing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and she's just insisting that I'm only here because you need to let me go. You need to release me. It's been 10 years. I'm obviously married now. Um, I don't know if she had a kid with the new husband, but she's still obviously very weighed down by her relationship with Ted and everything. And finally, she's just, and he, again, just wants to talk about the old days, talks about how much he loves her. But we get that moment, and it did send chills down my spine where she is, is talking about this one girl who obviously was beheaded at some point, and she insists that he tells her what happened to her. And You know, instead of him saying anything, instead of him trying to defend and say that he didn't do that, we finally get that his innocence that he's been, quote-unquote, maintaining all these years is complete BS because he starts slowly writing into the fog of the mirror, hacksaw. And then we get the little bit of uh, back 
you know, a flashback of him hurting this woman. But it's but was that scene powerful enough to make up for the rest of the movie or do you think that they still could have done more with that scene? I mean, that was definitely in my opinion the most powerful scene in the movie because that was the first time I really felt a true connection with Liz when she just kept insisting, please release me, just release me from this horror. Like, and he finally gave in by doing that. But the, the, the part that got me that really showed his true character was he couldn't even say it out loud. He couldn't admit to himself what he was. He still had to, you know, write it in the fog, you know, between the screen um, the screen between the two of them. So I do think it was one of the more powerful scenes in the movie, but it still didn't give justice to the rest of it. Yeah. And that's, I completely agree because even though then they did show that little scene afterwards, I still didn't feel, uh, overwhelmed with it um I wasn't necessarily horrified by it again him just writing in hacksaw was just maybe the one tiny moment that I actually felt that sickening uh feeling in the pit of my stomach that the title of the movie kind of led you to believe that that's what was going to be the whole entire film and it wasn't um so I guess what I wanted to say uh or ask did you think that this movie needed to be made? Um, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I understand um, wanting to tell Liz's side of the story. I just don't think it was done effectively. I understand why the only moment that they showed even a glimpse of his crimes was there because that was the first time that she got a true answer. So it gave a little flash to it. So it made sense that they didn't show it in any other parts of the, of the movie, but I feel like there was so much more they could have dived into. If this was from her perspective, then the emotional roller coaster she went through wasn't even adequately portrayed to a level that we could emotionally feel for her and feel like we were a part of that ride. Like I would have liked to, um, through the movie, I mean, we're not uncovering crimes. It's not a thriller. We're not, this isn't a mystery we need to unravel. But we could have, as an audience, ventured with her from, you know, meeting and loving someone to the slow creeps of doubt to a point of, you know, taking action and calling him in. And then her journey, um, you know, emotionally and mentally from there of how she dealt with all that was un uncovered on the news and the court and then eventually leading to that one moment where he did finally admit to it. So I think that they could have just went so much further with her part in, in this whole ordeal. Yeah, they absolutely could have because I know that um, now – and then through interviews that this movie was meant to be from her perspective, but I still didn't really feel that. I know that we got a lot of her, but I still didn't feel like they did as much as they should have done. It still really did feel like from Ted's perspective. 
if anything, I think this movie just said to me that Zac Efron is ready for more serious roles and that they, uh, that Hollywood makers can give them to him and not worry about having that high school musical uh, image ruin any sort of thing. He obviously seems like he's dedicated to uh, his research. He got a lot of facial features down. He got a lot of movements down. So I do appreciate all of that. Um, I mean, there were some positives of the movie. Uh, again, his acting was good. The cost, not costumes, the outfits were very good for the time, uh, really set in motion what error this took place in. But besides that, I just really feel like this movie fell flat. I saw it once, and I don't really feel a need to see it again. So I personally am going to give it a 2.5 out of 5. Um, Kelly, if you had to put it into numbers, how would you rate this movie? And I know I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't ask you this beforehand, <laughs> but <laughs> it's okay. Well, I do, I do have one comment about it being a, a quote-unquote breakout role for Zac Efron. I feel like it definitely will move the the needle for him as in terms of you know shedding the the teen and the comedy type of roles into more serious ones. But it's just not comparable to like. Charlize Theron's performance in Monster or, yeah. you know, Steve Carell when he played um, in Foxcatcher, um, John DuPont. So I think that um, it was definitely a good a step in a good direction for him, but it, it didn't have the same impact as some of those other really transformative performances of other um you know, Hollywood stars in the past. Um, I would, I would agree with you, Tia. I would probably give it a, a, a two or 2.5 out of five. I mean, it was watchable. It was, you know, I enjoyed it. I wasn't like I had to pause it and turn it off, but I was overall disappointed when I got to the end of the movie. And just to comment really quick on what you said about how this wasn't as transformative as a role as say Charlize Theron, that was actually a point that was made on Geek Vibes Live with Kanan and Nick. Um, I believe it was Nick who said it. I'm not sure. But um, that, you know, the whole thing was that, hey, Ted Bundy was really good looking, right? He really wasn't. Um, Zac Efron is completely so much better looking. Um, they could have uglied him up, right? They could have you know, made it seem more like his teeth were chipped or they could have, you know, done something to really have transformed him physically just a little bit more like they did with Charlize Theron. They really um, made her look like this monster instead of it just being a glamorized version of the role that she was playing. And they didn't do that really with Zac Efron. I'm not saying that necessarily it's his breakout role, but a lot of people there are, a lot of people on the geeky side of things are wondering if he could say be the next Batman, right? And I think prior to this movie, people would have thought too much of the high school musical image and maybe that this movie could then lead into his breakout role and people would take it a little bit more seriously if say he was chosen as the next Bruce Wayne. So I think that while this wasn't a breakout role, it's certainly the road in that direction. Yeah, I agree. Oh. Right. 
So, um, you know, I think that we did an awesome job breaking it down. I know that we did focus a lot on the negatives, but you know, sometimes in movies you've got to really kind of hold them accountable to hopefully make a better uh film if they decide to go in this route with exploring another uh, prolific figure in, in you know, serial killers. I know that sounds wrong, but uh, do you have any last comments, Kelly, that you kind of want to touch upon that we didn't talk about with this movie? Um, no, I think, I think we covered everything. I, I do too. So, um, yeah, that is our review for, uh, hang on now, i got to get the title again, uh, Extremely, <laughs> Extremely Wicked. Extremely Wicked. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Please, you know, plug yourself right now. I know that you have a lot of exciting things kind of going on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Tia. I enjoyed uh, breaking this movie down with you. Um, for anyone who wants to follow me, I'm on Twitter at KCantro, or you can visit my website, kellycantrowitz.com. Awesome. Yes, please do that. She is a wonderfully talented individual that you need to follow. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at um, TC underscore Stark. That is also my Instagram. Uh, I'm a contributor to Geek Vibes Nation, obviously, uh, where I do plenty of articles on news, opinions, all that. Um, I do the Top 10 podcast. We just did the top 10 American Gods season two moments uh, prior to that, the top 10 moments uh, for iZombie. And we have an exciting uh, theme this week and I'm going to plug it a little. We're doing the top 10 worst uh, Netflix original movies. As everyone knows, I'm a little peeved at Netflix ever since they canceled all the Marvel shows. So I thought, why not? Let's have fun because as we know, they don't always hit the nail when it comes to their original films. So, Please tune into that, and thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>